We are all miracles and must make the most of our limited time here. Each of us have these unique gifts to contribute to the world, and it's our job to develop these gifts and give them away. That's why I created the Preschool SLP podcast. The Preschool SLP is about working smarter to create real change in ourselves and in others. Being an SLP is a mission. Let's discuss topics that matter. What are the game-changing strategies? How can we treat the whole child? How can we create the shiniest versions of ourselves and of our clients? We're here at the drawing board for a reason. You bring your own unique gifts. Together, let's create better. If you work with children with autism, this is an episode you simply cannot miss. We are going to talk about how to cut through all of that sensory distraction and to grab the attention of the children with autism who you are working with. This is so important because if you don't have attention, you're not going anywhere. Attention matters. And when you have improvements in attention, you're going to get improvements in joint attention, improvements in socialization, improvements in more complex play, improvements in motor skills, improvements in language expression and language comprehension and in speech. You are going to get basically a cascading impact in which every area of the child's life is going to be improved upon if you're able to grab their attention. So this is a very important episode. It's a foundational skill, being able to grab the attention of the children you work with in the face of lots of sensory distraction. So check out this episode. I'm going to leave you with five tips you can put into place today to make a difference. This is from lesson 15 in my book that's coming out next month, 32 lessons that create lifelong change for children with autism. The book is going to give you 32 lessons that make a difference in interacting with children with autism for better lifelong outcomes. This is from lesson 15 and lesson 15 is stand out in a sea of distraction. So let's talk about that sea of distraction. With autism, what happens is a lot of these children are taking it all in. And as a result, you are getting lost in this sea of distraction. And what I mean by a sea of distraction is, for instance, they're taking in all of the sounds. They're taking in all of the visual stimuli. They're taking in all of the smells, all of the temperature, and all of the feeling sensations. So it's kind of like being in this very loud, noisy cafe with this light headlights bleeding into your eyes and all of these smells. And on top of that, it's going to be super hot in the cafe. So you are just very on 
comfortable and someone is trying to have a conversation with you and you, of course, don't understand a word. And aside from that, you're going to be on high alert because your sensory system, which keeps you safe, is hyperstimulated. The sensory system is saying, woo, 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 there's something wrong here. The sensory system saying things are not normal. I'm hearing lots of noises. I'm seeing lots of movement. I'm hearing lots of loud sounds. I'm smelling things that don't smell good and it's hot or it's cold and be on high alert. We are in fight, flight, freeze mode. That's the type of brain you're going to have if your sensory system is not functioning correctly. So what can you do to help this child out to go ahead and cut through all of this, I call it background sensory noise, and to be that signal that can penetrate through it and grab these children's attention? What I'm going to encourage you to do, if you've ever been to an opera or if you've ever been to a Shakespearean play and you loved it and you experienced it and you understood it, even though you didn't understand a word of what they were saying, why is it that you were able to experience the play and comprehend what was going on? It's because the actor or the singer was conveying the words using their bodies. So they were using their bodies, they were using song, they were using dance, and their movements were very large so that you sitting back there in balcony ZZ where the seat is a couple hundred dollars even though you're in the back row in the balcony because tickets are expensive, that row, that seat, you're getting it all. And the reason you're going to get it all is because the movements are large, they are loud in their voice, they are loud in the sound, they are cutting through the sea of sensory distraction to reach you in row ZZ. That is what you're going to want to do when you're interacting with children with autism. Sure, there are children who have sensory, who are hypersensitive to stimuli, and we might tone it down a little bit, but we're still going to make our movements slower, more dramatic, bigger. We're going to talk more slowly. So I'm going to give you some actionable tips in a minute, but think about yourself when you're working with this child with autism as being that Shakespearean actor who doesn't have a microphone, as being that opera singer in which the language is different, but the message is still conveyed because the words are conveyed through dance, through music, and through body movements. That's what we're going to do when we're working with children with autism. So I'm going to give you these five actionable tips from lesson 15 in my book. I'm so excited about my book. If I haven't mentioned it, it's coming out in April and time for Autism Awareness Month. And this book is 32 lessons. When I say lessons, these are lessons that I learned from being at the drawing board for 20 years with children with autism. This is, they've schooled me. They've schooled me well. My professors are the master professors and I've taken notes and I'm going to share those notes in each of those lessons of things that really matter. 
where what I've been schooled on, and these are game changers. But what's neat about it is at the end of each of the lessons, I give you five tips to put into practice today. So there's 32 lessons in the book, and they're all lessons that really, really matter. And all of them have a child or a professor behind those lessons and a situation that I share with you that schooled me. They schooled me well, and I can't wait to share them with you. So that is the book that I keep talking about. The neat thing about the book is I don't think it needs to be War and Peace. It doesn't need to be a big novel. The book is skinny and small and tiny and digestible so that you can get what do you need to know in a minute or less and the five tips that you can put in put a place in less than five minutes. And then you can go on and get on your way and do what you're meant here to do, which is to make the world a better place. So I'm excited about the book. Let's dive in to these five tips, okay? So the first tip is knowing that the children are in this heightened state because their sensory system is not functioning correctly. So they might be in the amygdala reptilian brain fight, flight, freeze mode right? What we're going to want to do is pay close attention to your voice. So you're going to want to have a voice that is very pleasant. Also your facial expression. So a lot of times, like for instance, when I'm thinking, and my husband does the same thing, we frown a little bit because we're thinking about something really hard and people think you're angry at them. So just pay attention. You think you're making a neutral face expression, facial expression. For a child in a heightened state, that could be something that's very scary. It seems like an angry or mad facial expression. So what you're going to want to do is keep a really open facial expression and keep a very positive vocal tone. So keep that in mind in thinking about they might be in a heightened alert state. So you're going to want to have a very pleasant facial expression, a pleasant voice. So that's tip one. Tip two, think about your body movements. For instance, are your shoulders hunched forward? It's almost like this attack mode, like I'm going to get you. Think about how you move your palms. Are you moving your palms downward fashion, which is kind of like attack. So when you go to hold a child's hand, are you going at the child like leopard paw going down on the child or is your palm up? It might not seem like a big deal to you, but it is to a child who's in an alert state due to their sensory system not functioning correctly. Is If you're having a palm down on them, that's like, I'm going to hit you. I'm going to attack you. When your palm is up, it's a sign I'm here to help you. So think about your gestures, your shoulders hunched forward, like I'm going to attack you, I'm going to go at you, or is I call it open heart, are your shoulders back, like I'm vulnerable, I'm open to you. So think about your body language, it really, really matters, these children are just trying to be safe right now, and if you're sending a message that you're not safe, then that could be easily conveyed through these palm down motions, hunched forward motions. So let's go into tip number three, increase your volume and speak slowly in a more exaggerated vocal manner. Now we're doing that because they're taking every sound in the room and the sound of the lights that they hear, the microwave that's four doors down, the ambulance that's a mile away, because they're hearing every sound and auditory overload, you want to be 
louder than that background noise. You want your signal to pierce through it. So what I do, for instance, if I'm saying, look at that, I would say something like this. Look at that. So that it's like, I'm kind of like yelling it, making it bigger and I'm making it longer. So it's standing out. It's kind of like this big balloon, your language is that you're blowing up. Like, do you see this? So use your language louder. Use your language slower and use your language bigger. Blow it up. Blow that language up so that it stands out in the sea of background auditory noise that they're taking in. Okay, tip number four. Move your body with the words. So if I'm saying, look at that, I'm going to get the binoculars with my hands over my eyes and say, look, or I, I might put it up like I'm doing an airplane. I'm doing an airplane where to go. And, and then I'll point at it finally, that, and I'll point to it with a big that. Now, once again, notice that I'm talking more slowly, I'm talking louder, and my gestures are moving with the words to help them comprehend. Because we know from the research that their visual cortex is largely spirit of any damage. So we want to take advantage of their visual processing skills by matching them with the slowed down louder language. So you're moving in slow motion, you're talking in slow motion, and everything is big. It's like Texas big. It's like, whoa, it's obnoxiously big. Shakespearean actor, you're in Balcony Row ZZ. I was just in Balcony Row ZZ at the Sarah Silverman show, by the way. And the tickets, no joke, the tickets were like $180 a piece. And it was the last row in the house. And that's a little tangential. But what I'm saying is that these people matter. The person in the last row paid a lot for the show. Okay, so let's go on to number five. Number five is use the speech cues. This is a game changer I didn't discover until probably about 10 years into my career is that if you treat the speech motor disorder for children with autism, and yes, I am calling it a speech motor disorder because there is a neurological, physiological basis behind the difficulty that children with autism have in learning to talk that has to do with their body and having a motor delay. And it also has to do with the neurology and having an auditory processing delay. So I call it a speech motor disorder in which the speech is not developing naturally due to issues that are physiological and also to issues that are neurological. So you need to treat the speech motor disorder if you want to see outcomes for children who are mentally speaking, they're not going to develop speech naturally. That's the name of the game. And when you do that, what you're going to find are huge gains in expressive language development. So these are children that are just not simply going to learn to talk from hearing the words in the environment. And that's because of the auditory processing difficulties. And that's also because of the motor coordination difficulties and the motor delays that are inherent in populations with autism. So treat the motor speech 
disorder. If you want to help these children with autism, we can no longer pretend that there is no motor speech disorder. When we're working with these children, we're minimally speaking. So back to what are we going to do about it? Show them the cues of what to do with their mouth. So if I was saying, look at that, I would put an L on either side of my mouth and I'd pull it out and say, la, to let them know that I'm retracting the lips and elevating the tongue. I would show them and make it really big with my hand what's going on in that mouth and slow and loud and long. Here it goes. And then so I'm showing them exactly what to do with the mouth using slow gestures, using large gestures and using long gestures. So everything is bigger. It's like everything's bigger in Texas. Everything is bigger in working with children with autism because we're cutting through this sea of distraction. So those are the five tips. And that is from lesson 15 in my book that's coming out next month. It's so good. I am so excited about this book because it really did take 20 years of working with children with autism to write it. It's kind of like this sauce that develops over time. And last year is when I wrote the book and it wasn't ready yet. I needed more time with my master professors. I needed more time with the children with autism to really clarify messages they're telling me in the interactions. You have these theories and you have to put them through the test and you have to research them. You have to get feedback from your professors, which are my children with autism. I'm so happy because now is the time to share these lessons. I can't wait for you to get these lessons. I can't wait for you for every single lesson to get the five tips that you can put into practice right now. So take these five tips, roll up your sleeves and make the world a better place one child at a time, and you know that you are always first.